Jesus, hallelujah. Give him praise, yes. He is worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Continue to worship. Praise the Lord. Can we just give Jesus some praise in this house? Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We just lift our hands and give him glory. Father, I praise you right now in the name of Jesus. He's worthy, folks. He's worthy. He's worthy. Fill this house. Fill my mouth with the words that would be acceptable in your sight and anoint me most more than anything. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have you come to receive the word today? Because I'm ready to, to give you some of the word. I'm going to take care of announcements later. I'm ready to get right into it. I want to speak on a topic that I hope will be a blessing to you guys today. Uh, I do want you to remember in prayer the youth. We've got about 20 or so out today that are going to Shabbat. So let's pray for their safe traveling mercies. They got there fine. They're having a good time. So we thank God for that. But they will be traveling back this evening. So remember them in prayer 
that God would, would be with them on the way back. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 2. And I want to speak on the topic, hindered but not defeated. Oh, praise God. I may be hindered, but I want you to know that I am not defeated. The Apostle Paul basically says that to us in 1 Thessalonians. He said, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again. Now watch what he said. I wanted to get there. I wanted to preach to you. I wanted to be with you. He said, but Satan hindered us. How many of you knew the devil could do that? A matter of fact, Paul said, I wanted with great desire. There was a passion in me. There was a drive in me. There was something in me that knew you needed to hear what I had to say. And I had a word from the Lord to share with you. And that's why I've got this ink pen here and I'm writing it in a book so I can get it sent to you in a letter. But I want to be there in person. But Satan has hindered me from doing that. So I thought that was interesting, so I start looking up words because I'm a junkie like that when it comes to definitions. And the word hindered means to create difficulties for somebody. Anybody ever had the devil do that? Sometimes it was your spouse. Sometimes it was your kids. Sometimes it was who you thought was your best friend. Sometimes it was your co-worker. But nonetheless, they created an obstacle. And all it was, was the devil hindering what God was trying to do. There are marriages that struggle today. The only reason you're struggling, it's not God's will. It's because the devil is trying to hinder something great in your life. He's trying to keep you from having a successful marriage. Some of you young ones out there were talking about this morning. How that even younger couples can glean from older couples. Now one or two things are going to happen. They're going to hear from us and they're going to say, praise God, I can't wait to get married. Some of our singles. And then there's others that are going to hear our story and say, oh my gosh, I don't want to get married. It's going one way or the other. That's up to us as to how we decide that and how we treat our spouse and how our relationships are and how we conduct ourselves that people have to make that judgment. But there are often times in our marriages that Satan will try to put an obstacle, a hindrance between us and our spouse. He does it with our children. He does it with our churches. It is the mastermind at work trying to hinder. Do what he does best. The word also means to delay. That is when we're waiting on an answer. We're believing God to do something. But the hindrance of the devil is to delay that miracle. It means an obstruction. It is literally, it's a roadblock. It is when he puts something right slap dab in the middle of the way. Now you've got two options. Either you can sit there and just stare at the obstacle or either you can pick up the obstacle and move it out of your way. That is why God said that when you see a mountain in your life, oftentimes it is Satan trying to hinder you from getting to the place of destiny. Because whenever you get to a mountain, what do you have to do? Most of the time you got to do what? In the natural. I mean, if we're sitting here and there's a mountain, we got to go over the mountain. But God said, I'm going to make it a season of acceleration. And I'm going to bless you. And he told his disciples, he said, you are going to look at that mountain. You are going to look at that obstacle. And you're going to say, in the name of Jesus, be cast into the sea. And it shall be done. That's what my Bible said. 
All that it is oftentimes is a hindrance of the enemy. It means a blocked way. That is what it means when we talk about the hindrance of the devil. Now, I was thinking yesterday that if the great apostle Paul could be hindered by Satan, who in the world do I think I am that I can't be? I mean, who do we think we are that we can go through life without any oppression, without any... That's why I hate this modern day gospel message that people tell people nowadays. They lie to them is what they do. The Bible's already told us in the last days there's going to be a group of people that are going to look for a preacher that will tickle their ears. Y'all read that in your Bible? That is in the end times whenever the preacher's patting them on the head saying your sin's all right. We accept you for who you are. And this is just who you are. You need to embrace who you are. No, you don't. You need to get to an old-fashioned altar and say, I want to become the new me. You've got to let go of the old to be the new. So, so I don't like that type theology. Who do we think we are that we're not going to go through trouble? The fact is we are going to go through opposition. We are going to go through hindrances. But the Apostle Paul encourages us that even when Satan hinders us, you cannot allow him to defeat you. It is up to you totally as to whether or not you're going to look at the obstacle in front of you and turn your back and say, I'm walking away from it. I can't climb this mountain. I can't get over this hindrance. I can't get over this obstacle. And you can walk away defeated or either you're going to walk away a victor. That's up to you. So today what I need you to get deep in your spirit is this. That Satan can and will hinder you as a believer. There is no question today as to whether he can do that or not. He can hinder your prayers from being answered. We talked about this a couple weeks back. We talked about spiritual warfare last week. We talked about Daniel on a Wednesday night just a couple weeks back. I re-mentioned him Sunday. I'm going back again today because it goes along with my sermon. But he prayed for 21 days waiting on a miracle. And God let him know, I heard your prayer the first time you prayed it. But there's been some. We talked last week. There's these principalities and powers that your natural eyes can't see that I've been fighting. I've been at war in the spiritual realm. And I've been trying to get to you for 21 days. He is waiting for his miracle. Why? Satan had hindered. So there's some of you today that you may be praying and you may think the answer is not on the way. I want to tell you, Satan's just trying to hinder your prayers. But I need to tell you, your answer is on the way. That not, are you trying to just, just be prophetic? No, no, no. I'm just telling you what Jesus has already said. He said that when you ask anything in His name, it shall be done. Jesus has already let us know that when we pray as a child of God, we burst the doors of heaven and go to the gate. Uh, uh, we, the Bible said, come to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and, and find grace in the time of need. Come to the throne room of God. We've been given this right. So God has already promised us that the answer is on the way. You just may be in a hindering period. He can hinder your breakthrough. That means getting to where you need to go. Do you remember the woman with the issue of blood? What did she have to do? Anybody remember? She had to get down on her knees and she's crawling through the crowd. She's pushing people out the way. I mean, you talk about obstacles. You talk about delay. I mean, she just wanted to be able to do like we do. And be like, hey, anybody need prayer? I mean, how long do you have to wait in line to get prayer from the preacher here? Anybody? 
You just walk right up and first come, first serve. There's been very few churches I've ever been in where I had a prayer line. Now, and I have been in them in revivals. Trust me, I have. To where we had a line and you just go one at a time. I've been in those moments. I've been the preacher in those moments. It'll wear you slap out. I've had prayer lines. But most of the time, our line's just wide open. You can just walk right up here and get your blessing, get your miracle. I wish it would have been that easy for the woman with the issue of blood. But we want to learn the valuable lesson about perseverance. If she could have just walked up to Jesus and said, Hey Jesus, I need you to heal me. I've been having this situation. But no, she had to fight her way through the crowd. Why? Because Satan was hindering her breakthrough. I think sometimes God just wants to see if you've got the up inside of you to get up and get out and do something. Rather than waiting on the miracle to come to you sometimes you got to go after it but even though Satan tried to hinder her breakthrough she pushes her way on through anyhow and she got her miracle he can hinder your destiny that's what happens with the apostle Paul he has the power to do that listen today folks Satan is not your friend Satan in every aspect is your enemy you, you, you may think he can talk smooth. You may think, oh, he's not so bad. He, he don't want to kill me. But I'm going to tell you, God's already said that if Satan could take your life today, he'd do it. If he could cancel you out, he'd do it. Job was a man of God. What did Satan want? He wanted his life. Because he didn't want to have to deal with his testimony later. And so he figures if I can kill him, I don't have to deal with that testimony and that praise report. And then we got Jimmy in 2022 till, still preaching about him. I won't have to deal with that. But God said you can hinder him. You can fight him. You can put obstacles in his way. But what did he say? You cannot have him. You cannot have his life. But Please don't be mistaken that the devil is your enemy. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy everything that represents God. So today I want you to understand you may be hindered, but you're not defeated. Now, now when we compare hindrance, difficulties, obstacles, delays, blockages in our path, when we call hindrance that, that's the definition. But be, to be defeated, do you know what that means? Uh, we don't give a trophy to losers. You know what being defeated means? Suck it up, kid. You lost. You did not win. You may look at him and say, you hustled, you did a good job, you know, you really played your heart out there. But at the end of the day, the loser is the loser. There's no other way to look at it. There's a winner. Second place is loser. I know some of you kids can go home and cry to your mom after this. Say, why did you give me that trophy when I came in third, right? Uh-uh, uh, not around here. We don't do that stuff. Either you win or either you lose. And I'm going to tell you, it's the same way in our spiritual warfare. Either you're going to win against the devil or either you're going to be defeated by the devil. And the Apostle Paul gives us a word of encouragement and says, you do not have to be the guy that walks away defeated. Listen, he said, what? He said, I desire to be there. He said, Satan hindered me. But never do you see where the Apostle Paul wrote... Satan defeated me. There's a huge difference. See, in all the Bible, and you can go from Genesis to Revelation, there is nowhere in the Bible that you find what we'll call the doctrine of defeat. Nowhere in the Scripture does God leave any room for defeat in the life of the believer. In the life, and hear me well, in the life of a believer, the only thing we should be doing is winning. 
I remember when old Trump was running for office and he finally got it. And I ain't being political. I know some of you may like him, you may not like him. It don't matter to me, but I'm just going to tell you this. One thing stood out to me that really blessed me. He said, we're winning. He said, and we're going to win and win and win until y'all get tired of winning. I thought, my Lord, I need to go tell my church about that. We're going to win, and we're going to win, and we're going to be blessed, and we're going to be blessed until we're plumb sick of winning. We're sick, and we don't even know how to handle it all. But that's the God that I serve. He said, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour a blessing in your lap. You're not even going to be able to contain. That's the God we serve. So don't tell me that I've got to be defeated. Because there's nowhere in the Bible where God gives me permission to be defeated. So the most potent thing that hell can do against you is when God gives you a promise and all he can do is try to hinder the promise or delay the promise from getting to you. The reason he did it to Daniel is because he was hoping that by day 21, Daniel would be, y'all want to guess it, defeated. He wanted him by the end of day 21. See, now just, let's, just, let's just be realistic here. Every single day, three times a day, he's opening up his windows. He's praying towards Jerusalem. We find that pattern. That's what Daniel does. He prays towards the homeland. God bless him. I want to ask somebody, what would have happened if on day 21, if Daniel would have said, you know, I've been praying for 20 days. I just, no, I'm not going to do it today. You know what I think would have happened? I don't think his answer would have came. You know why? Because he gave up. The devil had won. He had fought with Michael the archangel long enough. The principalities above had already hindered long enough that he ended up defeated. And I want to tell you today, if you are a child of God and you are in a defeated state, it is not because God put you there. It is not because the Bible said you have to live there. If we live a defeated life, it is because we chose. To be defeated. Because God has already told us. We are not the victim mentality. We are the victor. We are not the one that is being conquered. We are more. Than a conqueror. Through Jesus Christ. So, so this mentality. Of um, you know. I, I did enough to get by. No, that's not going to work with God. That, that's not the type of people he has in his kingdom. No sir. No sir. He doesn't do that. Hindrance is, a, is the devil's greatest weapon. Now let me show you what he does. And this is very interesting today. If he knows that he cannot defeat you himself. Then guess what he tries to use. He uses a word called self-defeat. What does self-defeat mean since I'm a word junkie? Well self-defeat is exactly what it sounds like. You're defeated and the reason you're defeated is because of you. You're the reason you're defeated. Victory is yours today in Jesus' name. I'm going to say it again because some of you still don't believe it. You sowed down in the mully grubs. I said victory is yours today in the name of Jesus. That is not what I said. That is what the book said. That is what Jesus said about you. So self-defeat is a dangerous thing. Let me show you this. So the goal in self-defeat... Is that Satan is going to fight you, hinder you so much until he gets you to this state that he literally wears you 
down. And he causes you to throw in the towel and quit. We played softball yesterday. Y'all going to have to come watch us play sometime. We had a ball. Ah, man, I'm telling you. I want to show them young boys how to do it. Yeah. I'm 38. I get an airplane. I'm going to be honest with you today. I feel pretty good. I really do. I feel better than I have in years. Except for I twisted my ankle. But other than that, y'all may notice I'm limping a little bit. But if I get anointed, it won't matter. I'll feel that later on today too. But as long as I'm anointed, it really don't matter right now. We'll deal with that later. That's all I did. But other than that, you know, we lost the first two games. We are playing against professionals. That's right. Wind was blowing. So we got out. It was the wind's fault. It's great when you got something to blame it on, right? We lost those two. Now, we had to play four games yesterday. Each basically about an hour each. That's four hours playing time straight. I haven't played softball in 20 years, just to put this thing into perspective. And here I go out there, and I'm playing for the first time in 20 years, four header games. That's a lot to play. I'm going to go ahead and tell you all that. It may not look like much, and you look at first or second base, and you think to yourself, that's a skip and a hop. No, it's a mile. (laughs) And so what did we do? I could tell, you know, we were all getting a little tired, especially us a little older. Even some of the younger ones were starting to sit down. I was like, get your butt up, boy, you're younger than me. <laughs> Got to give them a little motivation. And I'm sitting there, but the third and fourth game, guess what we did? We won both of them, back to back. Last game scored 20-something points. I mean, it was the best game we had played all day. What I'm telling you is in the fourth game, we played better than any other game we played. But when we got to walking out there, I saw some of us. We kind of walked in like this. Oh, my God. But all of a sudden, it's kind of like you catch a second win. And you get mad at the enemy that's winning. And not today, right? And so you really grind in and you get down to business. And you say, today I'm going to win. Now, I want to tell you something. We could have let self-defeat get us. We could have sat there in mully grubs and said, man, we're tired. This is our fourth game. I mean, they, they just started theirs. This is our fourth. We're tired. We're beat up. But we made a decision that we were going to walk away with victory. And that is exactly what we did. And I see some of you in your spiritual journey right now. I believe you're in the fourth. And you're sitting there and you're wobbling. And you're, you're just a stumbling around. And you, you're getting tired and you're getting fatigued. But God told me to tell you today. It is time for you to quit defeating yourself. It is time for you to stop talking yourself out of victory. Victory is yours. That's what God has already said. Blessed be the name of God that gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give in. See, self-defeat makes you abort the promise. Do you know what abortion means? Abortion is when there's something living inside of a woman. And they refuse to allow it to live. Right? They abort. It's like aborting the mission. It's like saying, no, no, no. This baby can't have life. And we preach and we teach until we're blue in the face that it's murder. And we understand that there's people that did it in their younger years. And they deal today with that pain. After they gave, their, gave Christ their heart later. And today they deal with that. And we pray for those people. I know it's got to be tough on them. 
because they made a young decision, all right? I'm not, I'm not downing anybody here, but I want to tell you something. What happens is a baby inside is aborted. That means whatever that baby was going to be, it can't be anymore because now the baby is ultimately dead. It is gone. And I'm telling you, there's some people that they do the same thing to the promise of God inside of them. God is saying to them, I've got a gift in you. I've got something I want to do through you. And God's saying to somebody, I'm not finished with you yet. So I'm telling you what Satan's trying to do. He's saying just abort what's inside of you. Don't allow that to come out. Don't let it be born. That is why he fights us so bad. Because he knows there's something being born inside of us. See, there's something even here, even in a church, even a momentum shift, even a change in the atmosphere. What is happening, we're impregnated. There's something growing. Oh my God, I feel like preaching today. There is something growing inside of us that God is just waiting to burst out. There is something happening inside of us. A blessing we've never known. An anointing we've ever known. Growth we've never known. Come on somebody and say amen. But what we've got to watch out for is when the devil throws the hindrances that we decide we're not going to let it be born. That's the worst thing you can ever do. Don't do it. I'm telling you, do not do it. Don't give in. Don't give up. When we feel like we can't birth this, I'm telling you, we got to pray and pray again. We've got to fast and then fast again. We've got to believe and trust and trust again until this thing is born because there's something great in here that Satan is trying to and we cannot allow him to do that. I've got to hurry. Self-defeat is really the only way Satan can defeat us. The only things that Satan can use against the believer are two primary weapons. The Bible tells us he has accusation against us and he has deception. He begins to accuse you because he is the accuser of the brethren. Look at Revelation 12. Let me show you this scripture real quick. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ has come. Watch this. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night. Just leave it on that scripture for a minute, Chevy. Has been cast down. Do you notice what he is called? The accuser of our brethren. I was reading the story of Job, and it was interesting. Satan cannot do anything more to you than what God allows him to do. Did y'all grab that? So if you are fighting a battle, count it joy. That's what God said. He said, count it joy when you fall into these fiery temptations. What is he saying? God deems you strong enough to make it through on the other side. And not only that, but if God had to send in his best soldier to get the job done, you're the person for the job. And you, thirdly, Satan deems you a threat. That's what I love better than anything. That hell feels that I'm a threat to his agenda. That's powerful right there. And so the accuser of the brother. So when Job is about to be tempted, what, did, what, did, what was said to, to God? Satan comes up. There's a sons of men meeting. I, I, I can't hardly picture this, but I guess I can. And so Satan goes up there and he's like, hey, God. And God says, have you tried my servant Job? Because he's just looking for somebody to tempt, right? He said, well, I've been wandering around. He said, yeah, yeah, I got Job over here, but this is the problem with Job. See, 
the accuser of the brethren. Now, Job, yeah, he's serving you and all that. But the reason Job's serving you is because you got this hedge around him. The reason Job over here is living right is because you won't allow me to really put, the, put his feet to the fire. Right? But if you just drop that hedge, the accuser of the brethren, what I'm saying is this guy over here wouldn't live right if you just allow me to put him through one good test. And God said, go ahead. I'm not worried about Job. And what does Job do? He did not end in self-defeat. Watch this. Even his three friends came around him. And one of them's like, you know, Job, what have you done? Have you sinned? Even his own wife comes to him and says, honey, and I'm meeting this. You're suffering. Just curse God and die. His friends are telling him he's no good. His wife is basically saying, just get this thing over with. You talk about self-defeat. Now's the time to be in self-defeat. But Job falls on the ground. He rips his clothes. He burns some ashes and he begins to mourn. And he pours the ashes on his head. He wears sackcloth, which is fasting clothes. And he gets down on the ground. And the Bible says, he began to bless the Lord. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall return thither. But blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. But still blessed be the name what was he saying I may be hindered for a little while but I am not defeated self defeat is not an option for the children of God folks we cannot do it but Satan to tell you you're not good enough you're not holy enough he wants you to believe that God will not answer your prayers you've been praying for 20 days just, just stop praying He'll attack you. He'll say, God is getting you back for your past. Maybe if you've got a past, you know, he'll try to throw it in your face, right? The accuser of the brother. Well, you remember what you did last year? Some people be going back, you remember what you did 10 years ago? Yeah, you let your family down, boy. You were a sorry, no good for nothing. Really? I want to tell you something about the past. God erased it. <laughs> Woo! So that means that Satan may remember it. And Satan may bring it up, but God don't bring it up. And God doesn't. And God is a God that's all-knowing. But there's one thing He doesn't keep on His memory. That is where you have been and what you have done. He said, I threw that behind me, never more to be brought up again. God, in His omnipotence, in His omniscience, in His all-knowing attributes as being the Almighty God. He said, this is one limitation that I'm even going to put on myself. That when you are under the blood of Jesus Christ who you used to be I'm not going to accuse you of that anymore I'm not the accuser of the brethren that's the devil's job so when you hear these accusations it's not God doing it folks it's the devil let me show you this I gotta go on he'll tell you God does not love you he'll say God does not think the way about you that you think about him it's the voice of the accuser look at verse 11 I want to show you something about this The people that were accused by him, it said, but they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimonies. 
They did not love their lives to death, which simply put means that they were willing to die for Jesus from that point on because of what He had done for them. Listen to me today, folks. You do not have to walk around defeated. The blood of Jesus has already seen to it. The cross has already seen to it that you can plead the blood over your life and the devil can't touch you. You can plead the name of Jesus over your life and you will overcome him by the power of the blood and by the power of the word of your testimony and what he's done for you. So understand this as I try to come to a close. If he cannot get you through accusation, he will get you through deception, which is nothing more than lies. You know, most of God's children, we don't jump the fence and go straight to the world. Most of the time, if people go to the world, they kind of do it one step at a time. You know what? They kind of nibble a little bit, a little bit, a little bit along, a little day after day. But I love my shepherd. I love him. Because when I begin to stray, I can hear his voice, come back! Come back! I can hear the voice of the shepherd saying, you're straying, you're going out, you're getting away from the fold. They don't see it. Oftentimes they don't even realize they're not what they used to be with God and they, they just keep nibbling away getting farther and farther away until finally they're out of the fold and at that point Satan is the winner in their lives but I'm telling somebody do not give the devil that glory the glory does not belong to him the glory still belongs to Jesus Christ so if you are a believer today all the devil can do is hinder you in the words of an old famous preacher he may knock you down but he can never knock you out. Jesus spoiled the principalities and the powers in Colossians 2 in this way. He disarmed. Go to the next scripture. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That means that before Jesus died, the devil had an upper hand. When Jesus died on the cross, he put them to shame. He showed the devil who was boss. He showed the devil that everyone that had been bound in what we'll call purgatory or in paradise, they were going to be released and they were going to go to heaven to be with God all because of what Jesus did on the cross. What was Jesus doing? He was showing us that because I have life and I have victory, that is exactly what the children of God are going to have. Go to the piano there, Susan. I'm, I'm closing right here. So one of these days, we're going to go to heaven. Can y'all, are y'all ready for that? I mean, some of y'all been serving God for 50, 60 years, and you, you've been hearing it, but one of these days, we're going to end up in a place called heaven. For seven years, we are going to have the wildest party the world has ever known. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is when all of God's children get there. We're going to have a good time. Anybody remember that song? She's not playing her. I'd sing it. Go ahead. I'm just picking. Everybody's going to be joined together. All nations. All languages. It's going to look like exactly what God intended for heaven to look like. It's not just our little click. It's not just our little sphere of friends. No, 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 no. The rich and the poor alike are going to come hand in hand. Those that were never looked at as much on this earth, never had a name, never had a title, 
when they get to heaven, they're going to be the most special person up there because we're all going to be his children. Everybody at the foot of the cross, level ground. I mean, we are going to have a party. We are going to rejoice. I believe we'll travel at the speed of thought. That means we'll think it and we'll just be there. We'll have glorified bodies. We are going to see our loved ones again. Some of you have grandmas and grandpas and children and mamas and daddies. You're going to see them again. This is for that person that's victorious. Not defeated. I mean, I was thinking yesterday, we're, we're, we're going to have lunch with the Apostle Paul. I mean, we're going to pluck some grapes and go talk to John the Revelator. God, I mean, what a place it's going to be. When we run up with Moses, one of the greatest men, meekest men to ever live. I mean, what are we going to do when we see Ezekiel? And Ezekiel has to tell us a story about the Valley of Dry Bones. Saw dead men walking. I mean, my God have mercy. What's it going to be like when we see Peter? And Peter wants to tell us how it was when he walked on top of that water. The only guy that's ever done it without a stage prop. Other than Jesus. What are we going to do when we get to David and he tells us about Goliath? I mean, it's God. And most of all, we are going to see the Lamb of God, which is the light of the city. And we're going to hear him say some of the greatest words we would ever hear. Not welcome, you little defeated child. Ah, you struggled. You barely made it. Well done. See, see, I love, I'm not like a military soldier. I'm a soldier in the army of my Lord. I'm just playing with you, Susan. It is a good song, though. But I love how it is. Some of you served in the military. There's something to me about it. When somebody just stands to attention. And they throw their hand up. And you... It's different. I mean, I can do it. But someone that's really fought for a country. There's just a love. You can just see it. You can feel it. It's such a special moment. When I see those old guys, they're retired, and they go to the, to the graveside of a fallen soldier. And they take that flag, and they start wrapping it so nice and neat and tightly. And there's 21 bullets that are sounding off. There's nothing like it. My point is that some of the most feeble old men, I've watched this. When they had this thing going on, and people are kneeling and all this kind of mess. You heard me right. I said it. I watched one guy, he had to be in his 90s, he was feeble, he was old. Had his little war veteran, I think it was Vietnam hat on or whatever, World War II. He had on, it was really way back yonder. And I remember watching that old man when they got ready to salute. And he pushed his way out of that chair. Weak and feeble. Threw that hand up. And I thought, my God, well done. There's something about somebody that walks in victory instead of defeat. And when God's soldiers get there, they're not going to look like this. I barely. We're going to walk in with the authority God has given us as a child of God. We're going to straighten our jacket. We're going to square our shoulders back and say, I'm here reporting for duty, sir. And God's going to look at us and say, Brian, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Yes, there was times you were in the battle. There was times I didn't even think you were going to make it. But here you are today. Your head's held high. Your 
standing proud because you've served your country. You've served that heavenly country. Now you are well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Victory. Today, victory is not coming for you, child of God. I say to you that victory is now. When Jesus died on that cross, he said, it is finished. Salvation has come. Satan is defeated. The war is won. Do not be slowed down. Do not be hindered. Break through all of those obstacles. Don't listen to the accusation of the enemy. Don't fall for his deception and lies. He's the father of all liars. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author, and the finisher of your faith. Let's all stand. Let's. My Lord, I'm about to knock my water off. Man. Somebody should have told me. So, Paul grabs his pen and he says, It's time to write. And as he's getting ready to leave this old world, he starts pinning some things. Hmm. That are powerful. Go to my last verse. I'm just going to read it. It's, it's just. Paul said, We are pressed on every side by troubles. Are y'all ready? But we are not crushed. We may be squeezed, but we are not crushed. We're perplexed. That means sometimes we're puzzled. We don't really know what God's doing, what's going on. But we have not yet been driven to despair. That means we don't think the situation's hopeless yet. We have been hunted down. He's been stoned with stones, left for dead. People are literally chasing him for his life. One time he's let down by a basket from a window because they wanted to kill the guy. We've been hunted down like animals. But never have we been abandoned by God. Woo! Paul said we get knocked down. But we are not destroyed now that's good stuff but let's jump to verse 16 let's get towards the end of this thing here that is why we never give up because though these bodies are dying though they're getting weaker but there's something rising up in us our spirits are being renewed every day. The Holy Spirit is giving us the energy and the power to keep pressing forward. For our present troubles are small and they won't last very long. That means this thing came to pass. Yet they produce for us a glory that is vastly outweighing them and will last how long? Forever. This is it. And I'm going to say amen and the church can do what they want. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze or our eyes on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. That cancer, it will soon be that depression will soon be gone. That pain that the devil has tried to make you live in for years will soon 
God. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. You may, I think what Paul is trying to say, in short, is you may be hindered, but you are not, I said, you are not defeated. And if you're going to be like me today, the only thing that I will accept is the victory. The only thing I will accept is the victory. I will not be defeated. I will not choose. Now you can. You can choose to look at the things that you see and think, oh my, it's never going to pass. But God says just forget about that. Start looking upward. Start looking towards Jesus. Start looking towards the church. Start looking towards your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because as long as you keep your eyes on the things that are temporary, you're going to live a life of defeat. It is only when you can look above and beyond and say, you know what? I'm not fighting to live in this earth anywhere. I'm fighting to go to another kingdom. I'm fighting for another land. Yeah, I'm a U.S. citizen, but I'm only an alien and a stranger in this world. I'm not going to stay here forever. This is not my final dwelling place. And then earthly things begin to lose their value. And all you really care about is Jesus. That is a victorious life, folks. Sing, would you? Put the words up, brother. Forever. pray today. These altars are open. If you want to pray today, they're open. I'm going to let Beth sing a verse and a chorus. And if you need special prayer, just want to have some time with God, I'm going to give you a few minutes to come. Let's, let's do a verse and a chorus. Of Jesus powerful. Oh, it's so powerful. Hallelujah, that's victory. The name of Jesus powerful. Chains are broken. Chains are broken when it's spoken. Every knee must bow. Every knee must bow. I love that. Yes, sir. Yeah. 